Hello and welcome to the All Things ITSM Global Podcast. We're here at Las Vegas for Knowledge 16. My name is Carlos Casanova. We're here with Ken Gonzalez. Hey, Carlos. Charlie Betts. Carlos. And Shane Carlson. Carlos, welcome back, Shane. Great Thank to see you, you again. Hey, good to be among the living again. <laughs> Great seeing you. Yeah, Shane, it's uh, great to see you. It's been a couple years, and you've uh, actually uh, made some very interesting transitions. You've uh, now with uh, CSC, and you've uh, got a very impressive new title at uh, Global. Well, you say it yourself. Because <laughs> uh, I can't remember. I'm a principal, <laughs> principal of service management strategy for CSE's uh, Global Infrastructure Services portfolio. Yeah, that's a, that's a wow. long name. Well, yeah. Um, just call me Bob. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you're doing and what you're seeing in the service management Sure. Uh, a, a lot of what I'm doing right now is, is kind of focusing on taking a lot of the traditional uh, ITO-based uh, service management products, uh, things like service desk, uh, local support, uh, a lot of the service management process-oriented services required to deliver uh, the ITO services. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to kind of modernize them. I, I think, as, as everyone's aware, the, the ITO space is, is going through a lot of transformation right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, the age of the you know, five-year, you know, multi-hundred million dollar ITO deals to a single source have gone away. And uh, the majority of businesses out there today are doing a lot of multi-sourcing. Uh, so the, the, the deals out there today are different than they were. The way services are delivered from those multiple providers and the complexities around you know, managing across the service stack with all those providers in place uh, has gotten a lot more complicated. So what I'm hoping to do is uh, take some of my learnings from the outside world, partnering with a lot of these IT organizations over the last couple of years at Fruition, uh, and kind of bring a, a new and fresh approach to some of the products that are necessary to deliver those larger IT services from a service management point of view. Interesting. So, sounds like um, we and we haven't talked today yet about uh, supplier integration and management, but of course, what you said there was, that is a, seems to be all about SIAM. That a is big a big part of it. it. Yeah, that was a big part of it. Yeah. So now, and I was thinking, we, you know, we had conversations about the millennials. So you're you're you're, you're taking an organization in a, or an industry space yep. that's already challenging, and now helping to convert that, but also targeting a, a demographic that is Completely rather diverse. Different. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, and that's one of the things at CSE we've been uh, uh, spending a lot of time doing is, is figuring out how do we take our customers through the digital transformation that's going on right now. Uh, and it's not easy, as you said. You know, you've got a diverse group of, of employees in, in every possible age range who have every possible expectation of the technology they use every day. You have people walking in the door who are just now entering the workplace who are used to walking around with more technology in their pocket and more access to information yeah. than most of us who had been in corporate IT have had for 20 years. Mm -hmm. So the expectations about how technology should work is changing dramatically. And nobody from a, a worker point of view has the time or energy necessary to figure out how to go to five different places to get one thing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, from, from a provider point of view, we've got to get better at working together, whether we're working, you know, by ourselves or with five different other providers to get that experience down for the customer. Shane, you know, it's interesting that you use the word expectations. I was just thinking about that as you were talking. Uh, from a traditional ITSM perspective, we are used to talking about expectations from a customer perspective. But with this whole digital transformation going on, it seems to me that there's now expectations being set throughout the entire ecosystem. And can you talk a little bit about to how that actually plays yeah, it, out? It's very interesting you say that because I, I say all the time that people's expectations about technology are set at home. 
before they even mm -hmm. step into the workplace. Yes. So if they're at home and they can log on to OneDrive and they can have access to any file anywhere at any time on any device, regardless of whether they're on vacation in, in Hawaii or you know driving in the car, hopefully they're a passenger, <laughs> um, you know, anywhere where they have access to the internet, they have access to all of their services on any device at any time. And so they walk into the workplace and suddenly they don't have that same level of access to technology. So they get frustrated. They're not as productive as they could be. So a lot of what we're doing, uh, you know, in the ITO provider side of the world is figuring out how do we, how do we match the expectation people have coming in every day with the technology they use for the personal uh, consumer products to the corporate world. And, uh, you know, I, I think uh, that's the challenge that all of us in the industry have right now is how do we get to the point where we're meeting expectations and people don't look at corporate technology as, as a drain, but they actually see it as a benefit. Yeah. Does that factor into how uh, enterprises are actually engaging with people in terms of outsourcing as well as their uh, technology providers and other types of entities that they may need to engage to deliver the kind of experiences that their customers yeah. want and need. I think it is, I think it is, and Charlie talked a little bit about Siam, uh, touched on it earlier, and I think that's a big piece of it, is there is an expectation that whether I buy services from you know, you know, uh, provider A, provider B, provider C, that if each of those are responsible for delivering a part of that service across that service value chain, that they're doing so in a way that's consistent and can be you know, interlocked with all of the services of all of the other providers. You know, at the end of the day, they don't care that, you know, this provider here doesn't have a good relationship with this provider. If, if this provider is providing a piece in that service value chain that relies on this provider, they damn well better get their stuff together to get that delivered. Yeah. See, I'm self-censoring. That's, that's a progress for me. <laughs> Carlos is doing yeah. things in three takes. You know, I'm, do, I'm doing stuff by self-censoring. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and along that line, it's, I think it's the old story. We don't care as a consumer as right. to where along the chain it broke. Exactly. If I come to you and you already went through seven, I'm just looking at you as being a failure. Exactly. Not, you know, Charlie dropped the ball on the way in or anything like that. And that's where I think it gets really difficult where even if you say, hey, it was another provider, I don't care. You know, we're seeing that in so many different spaces. And I think that's where, uh, you know, we've been talking user experience terminology for about a year or so now. And it seemed like it's finally starting to catch on in a much broader base. And, you know, it's this, uh, you know, the term I like to use is, you know, it's a facade, right? So how I see it with the hat that I'm on, I'm wearing at that point in time, I want to see it presented and I want to see it filtered in a certain way. I may go home and I want the same stuff from the background presented differently. And I think that's where, from, yeah, from a corporate perspective, I don't think we're quite there yet. We're talking about it and it'll be, I mean, how long is this going to take? That's... Well, we've been talking about it for 10 or 15 years in various forms, and it's interesting for those of us who have been around long enough to see everything go from the client service side of the world to yes. the as-a-service model for everything. Um, it's been a very interesting transition to, to see people who hired a dedicated IT staff to support dedicated you know, vertical technologies in a dedicated data center with dedicated power and everything else to suddenly let's put some stuff, so let's sprinkle a little bit in the cloud because yeah. the CIO says they need to do that, to walking into an environment today where you may have 20 different providers right. using, you know, managing as a service, you know, AWS, they may be using, you know, net, uh, cloud networking, you know, everything you can imagine has been unbolted from the corporate data center, spread to the four corners of the world, but yet we still expect it to work and run and do yeah. things way better than when we had it all under our control. Uh, and that's the challenge we have today. Yeah, that's a bit of a contradiction <laughs> almost. Yeah, right. In some ways, and, yeah. and the speed at which we're moving, the pace at which we expect technology to work, I, I mean, I'm, I'm talking just in the service management world, you look at, at ServiceNow, for instance, 
people expect to be up and running in weeks. You know, whereas previously we talked about, you know, 18 months to years to get to the places where we're getting. I don't know if any of you guys sat in the uh, Oshkosh presentation that Greg Downer did earlier today. They did a big bang approach where literally they implemented, uh, I think it was 13 different process areas from incident all the way down to um, uh, self-service change management, you know, way beyond what you would typically expect a customer to, to dip their toe into the water with. They did it all in nine months in a big bang. And now they, you know, they've had so much success with that, they're continuing with Big Bang Evolution, getting to the vision of ERP for IT, which I know you're a huge fan of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they specifically, <laughs> specifically talk about ERP for IT. Yeah, um, yeah. But, but you know, that's the expectation is people want very large movements from where they are today to where they need to be. And I say need because that's what it is. It truly yeah. is a need. They can't wait for these things to change. Right. They have to drive the change, they have to force the change, and they have to rely on providers that are capable of delivering that and working with everybody else they have in their staff. You know, it's interesting you bring up ERP for IT because, you know, as, as the, as the uh, uh, $20 yeah, right, right. <laughs> checks, checks in the mail. Uh, but let me uh, put a little bit of a, a, different, a different spin on it because now we've got Agile and we've got DevOps and, you know, there's a, a few things here that I think are very relevant to the service management space. In particular, you're seeing this pivot, and that's a word from that whole community too, from a project-centric model where you had your silos, you had your towers, and then you get the project managers and they get out the whip and they try to whip the results across the towers, um, you know, to now you've got product-centric teams. Yep. Um, you've got all your, all your skills on one team and, it, and, and these teams, it's been demonstrated. They can generate a lot of value. You get a fast feedback loop. You can get in front of your competitors in the business. You get far happier business partners because yep. literally you are deploying 10 times a day or you know once a week, whatever the business calls for. The IT is no longer the constraint in some of these shops. And yet as I look at, and I know one major retailer uh, in Minnesota, they've gone from 300 you know, project-oriented teams to 300 product teams and yet what happens to the classic IT service management processes? Like say from the Oshkosh example, do you still need an enterprise change process? Do you still need an incident process if it's all these, you know, these tight little collaborations? Yeah. And I'm not ready to you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater and say we don't need this stuff, but yeah. it seems we at least need some reconsideration yeah. Of what inter-team dynamics needs, you know, what's the next yeah. stage in inter-team But, but everybody, everybody's so advanced on config management, <laughs> so we're all yeah. set, right? Yeah. You still beat that horse? <laughs> yeah. uh, that's, that's a whole nother. <laughs> so, so, no, I think you're right. It, right? And, yeah. and it's, Gartner's been talking about bi bimodal IT for years and years. Yeah. And this is one of, the, one of the few times where I actually agree with something Gartner has to say out of the gate is we've got to live in both worlds. Okay. I have yet to see a, a client who is ready to go, you know, full agile DevOps, 100% abandon their change uh, programs and everything else, right. because we're still living in that, you know, that hybrid world of, of needing the stability you know, mm -hmm. for the corporate legacy systems, for the important critical systems that can't handle a velocity that a, a DevOps or an agile approach may need to get it to, to a certain point. And it may, they may not require the investment either. These may be semi-stable systems that are sitting there in, exactly. in a fairly, you know, non-changing state. Right. Based on packaged software. Exactly. You're not developing it. <clears throat> yeah, you don't, need, but, you don't need to go into I think we're going to be right? living in that bimodal world for some time to come. Absolutely. And, and the traditional ITSM processes um, are only as dated as the people who are responsible for Absolutely. managing them. So <clears throat> I've always said when it comes to process management, if you require a weekly meeting, to advance your process, your process is probably broken. 
Processes by nature should allow things to flow through and catch exceptions and hand them off to someone who can deal with them. So if we're still having, you know, the, the daily change meetings or the weekly change yeah, meetings, yeah. you know, um, and we're still flogging things through the system, we probably need to look at that approach and say, okay, how do we pair that up with this high velocity DevOps Agile? Are there things coming out of that world that still need to be caught in that trap or in that yeah. filter and handled as an exception, yeah. whereas other things are going through through as pre-configured changes where yeah. we, we can yeah. drive them through based off the risk and reward right. uh, of, right. of the typical yeah. change thing. Yeah. 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 Well, Thank you, uh, Shane. <laughs> it's like I, I don't. I mean, knowing you for as long as I have, I don't see you normally have like such an abrupt stop. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Thank, thanks for joining. What are you trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Shane, for for coming. Yeah. Charlie, Ken, right, pleasure. Thank you, Thank you very right, much. Thanks. thanks. thanks.